On today's Locked On Thunder podcast, we're going to dive into your mailbag questions. Should the Thunder move up in the draft? Should they trade for a proven star? And can SGA keep up this level of play? What's the philosophy for the OKC Thunder in this draft? We'll talk about all that coming up on today's Locked On Thunder podcast. You are Locked On Thunder, your daily Oklahoma City Thunder podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Let's get it going on the Locked On Thunder podcast, on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, media member, and editor-in-chief over at thunderousintentions.com. Ryland Styles, you can follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. Follow the show on Twitter at LOTHUNDERPOD. You can even text the show now for behind-the-scenes content a direct line to the show, what's to come on the show, exclusive mailbags, and everything else that you want over there at subtext by texting 405-939-2621, 405-939-2621. Text Thunder and you'll get subscribed to the show on subtext. We're going to dive into your mailbag questions on today's show, talking about which prospects fit the Thunder? Should the Thunder trade up in the draft? Should they trade for a proven guy? Everything under the sun that you want to know about, we're going to talk about on today's Mailbag Monday podcast. As long as you guys have questions, we will continue to do this every single Monday throughout the offseason. So make sure that you drop your questions on Twitter, on YouTube comment sections, wherever you want to reach. Go over there and drop your questions. Today's show is brought to you by Prize Picks. Folks, Price Picks is awesome because first-time users can receive 100% instant deposit match up to $100 with the code locked on at pricepicks.com or the Price Picks app with the code locked on. So let's start with your questions about the Thunder and what to do in the offseason. The question that's going to come up a lot in this podcast is what prospects fit the Thunder at 12 should the Thunder trade up for X prospect? Who should the Thunder be looking at? Those type of questions are naturally on the mind as we set a few weeks out from the NBA draft lottery, as we sit here, uh, you know, a couple months out from the NBA draft. And with that, I think it's an interesting Pandora's box opening moment to a conversation about what the Thunder's draft philosophy should be. Now, Sam Presti was asked about, you know, what a Thunder guy is, and he mentioned how, you know, that term is self-righteous and there's no such thing as, like, a Thunder guy besides you really look for a good person, look for a resilient person, but, like, they don't want to act like they, they, you know, have a certain type or however you want to put it. Self-righteous is how Sam Presti put it. Um, But they do have, like, patterns. They do have patterns in who they select. They look for these these lengthy players who can defend all five positions and switch and, and who, who can have great feel for the game, who can be playmakers, and they, and they look for players of that caliber. And they've done that throughout these last couple of years, and they've been telling us since, since the trades went down initially of, of Paul George and Russell Westbrook. Since that went down initially, they've been telling us how they were going to play positionless basketball, everybody's a playmaker, push the pace, and do all these different things. And... This draft, based upon who's in the draft, 
And based upon we are likely going to um, see the pick fall at 12, there is not a perfect embodiment of those patterns. And there comes a point where you would sacrifice talent level for the sake of pattern level. And you'd much rather have a more talented player. You're going to try to teach to play your way than a less talented player who can do more of the things that fall into your pattern, in my opinion. And so it's going to be an interesting decision of like, do you try to just find the guy that fits perfectly? And I think that the name that people are going to come back to throughout this process is a Ryan repair of a guy that like fits the thunder mold, but that's the only guy that like people think fits the thunder mold perfectly. Every other name that you put out there, you, you could make an argument against guys that I like Grady Dick. You make an argument against guys that, that I like, like Jairus Rocker, like um, Taylor Hendricks. Like you can make an argument against those guys being non thunder guys. Like for Hendricks, pretty easy of like, the, the, the low-level playmaking that he has. Grady Dick is, is not a high-level defender, uh, and, and I think that he has the the athletic ability that's a bit underrated for Grady Dick, and I also think that he has the potential to be a good defender in the NBA, especially as you surround him with other great defenders You know to kind of lessen the load on him. I, I think that he's that, that potential, but again, not, not a great Thunder guy, even though I think that he gets you know not enough credit for how much he fits the Thunder mold. But nonetheless, you're not going to find that perfect fit this year. Like, there's not going to be that guy that I think that you can just circle and say that's who Sam Presti is going to target. That's who the Thunder should target. And so, even more than most seasons, it's just simply guessing of like who the Thunder might like. And if we if we only come up with one name of who the Thunder might like and and, and fits and checks all the boxes, that one name could be gone by pick twelve, and probably won't be, but could be. So, what would you rather do? Would you rather lean all in to a guy who can? who can help you right away, who can fit your you know, patterns right away, or would you rather lean into a guy who does one thing that you need really, really well? Like, let's say shooting. Like, Thunder, need to shoot better, especially around SGA. We saw what Isaiah Joe could do as a guy that came in and helped the team shoot the ball better. Do you lean into a guy that can do that really, really well, but does X, Y, and Z poorly? Like, how do you, how do you adjust? Because, because as of right now, I don't think that there's a perfect Thunder guy. And there's still a few months away and that Sam Presley's job to figure out the perfect quote unquote thunder guy. But the, the, the simple patterns that we that we fell into over the last few draft cycles, I don't think that there's a guy that fits all of those things. And that's okay. Like it might be time to say, well, we got enough of these guys that can like play make and that can switch and that can do this and that we need other guys that can do X, Y, and Z. I think, I think that that's a little bit of where the thunder are at. Not, not to totally disband any of that. You need someone that, that can be a passable and, and, and reliable playmaker in a sense of the ball doesn't stick to them. You, you cannot have a ball stopper at all, period. So keeps the offense in rhythm is a must. But does he need to be a high-end playmaker? You could argue no, because they have so many of those guys already. Just be a passable guy that, that, that does not have the ball stick to him and keeps everything in rhythm and keeps everything in motion and, and, can, and if needed to, can facilitate a fast break if it so bounces that way, but in all likelihood will not be tasked with that a lot. I think, it, I think that you can shift what the Thunder are going to look for a little bit. Because at some point, you've got to fill the needs of your roster instead of you know the desire of, of a specific mold of a player. And so it's a, it's a difficult balancing act of, are they at that point yet? 
Or are you still trying to continue to fill out this roster with guys who you think can play your designated style? And the problem is there's not many guys that jump off the page that can check off all of those boxes that you want. Like if, if they're a good playmaker, they, they miss out on the switchable defense. If they have the switchable defense, they miss out on the field for the game. If they have the shooting, they miss out. Like there's, a, there's no perfect player. So how do you adjust to that? How do you, how do you flip that switch off? And so it's always a guess in the draft process, but as we, as we open up this week where we're going to dive into draft profile and projections, we're going to dive into mock draft, tankathon spins. We'll talk to Mavs draft, uh, Richard Stamen again on, uh, on this week's show. As we do more of this draft content from now into the draft, it's important to note that like this idea of a thunder prospect, I don't think is out there. I think that there's too many players who have too many, uh, one dominant trait and not enough like well-rounded traits that fit what they've been looking for previously. But they're still really good players in this draft. And they're still players who can help this Thunder team a lot, both next year and especially in years beyond next year. And we'll see how the draft process goes. Like, like draft workouts are about to start. They'll, they'll have the combine. They'll have, you know, uh, in-person interviews and workouts. And, and we'll get to talk to these prospects. So we're a long ways left to go. But it's an interesting philosophy of, when do you switch from we're drafting a specific brand of player to we'll dra- we're drafting to fill needs? And I don't think that filling needs is short-sighted. I think that you can get a guy like Grady Dick. He, does he fill a need? Shooting, yes. But he also has upside as a defender. He also has really good feel for the game. He also like does other things really well. So that's not short-sighted, even though... In the short term, it does help your team. It's going to be a fun balancing act to see how all of this is pulled off. We'll talk about the draft and your questions coming up. But first, I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at Prize Picks, folks. Prize Picks is awesome. Prize Picks is where that is where you want to go with our good friends over at Prize Picks because it's a great outlet for you to enjoy games. You can sit back and watch the playoffs tonight and download the PrizePix app. Go to prizepix.com, enter the promo code locked on, get 100% instant deposit match up to $100, and you just sit back and relax. It's just you versus the projected numbers. And what you can do is say, well, I think that Russell Westbrook will have more than 25 and a half points. And you sit back, you watch. If he scores 26, boom, you win. If he scores less than 26, you obviously lose. So, I mean, less than 25, you obviously lose. So, you know, it, it's it's great. Uh, and, and a great tool for you to use. You pick two to six players, and you can even do this cross-sport. You can get an NBA player, an MLB player, and just see how it all goes, and win 25 times your money on any entry by going to Prize Picks right now. Go to prizepicks.com, promo code locked on. Prizepicks.com, promo code locked on, uh, and you get 100% deposit match up to $100. Prizepicks.com slash locked on. We're back on the Locked On Thunder podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you. Talking Thunder Basketball. What a great time that this is for the offseason. Everything's still ahead of you. Technically, literally everything's still ahead of you. I know it's a slim chance, but technically speaking, it is not outside of the realm of possibility that the Thunder get Victor or Scoot or, or whoever at the top of the draft that you love. 
So everything's in front of you. Free agency, trades, summer league, all that fun stuff. So it's a great time. It's a great time. It's also a great time to name our Nissan Player of the Week. Our Nissan Player of the Week is going to go to our good pal, Russell Westbrook. Because Russell Westbrook is great and is playing great. And, and although the Clippers are down now 3-1, he is playing electric, just like the great electric uh, car Nissan Aria. It is the Nissan Aria's most electric play of the game, brought to you by Nissan Aria. The 2023 Nissan Aria is great. It's electric. It's brilliantly fierce. It's fiercely elegant. It's stunningly powerful, and it's awesome. So make sure you check out today uh, because the 2023 Nissan Aria packs a pin-you-to-your-seat punch with premium and intelligence, and it's all in one EV. It's the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the EV for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder podcast, on the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much for making us your first listen every single morning, every single day. We're here for you, talking Thunder basketball. Let's start with the mailbag questions at Money Mike Cooper. What do you think of the Thunder uh, to trade down from their pick at 12? And a heavy, to trade down their, their pick, their 12th pick, and a heavy protected first, or a couple seconds to Brooklyn, for their two picks. A couple guys that I like is Ryan Repair and Chris Murray, the twin brother of Keegan. Train down is definitely an option. I think that quite literally everything is an option in this draft. And, and, and that's not like a Sam Prestiism. But genuinely, I I would not be stunned to see them trade back. Like, like remember last year, uh, like two weeks from this point, or I guess technically four weeks from this point, because the lottery hadn't happened yet. Uh after the lottery, the Thunder jumped at two, and then there was that random Kings guy that said, like, the, the Kings are in serious talks and have a deal and framework with the Thunder for pick two because the Thunder loved Jaden Ivey. Um, that would have been a absolute stunner. There's no way that, that was going to happen. The Thunder had Chet circled as their guy pre-lottery, post-lottery. Every, every step of the way, Chet was their guy. And so that would have just never happened. And so that would have been a, a no, that, that can't happen. They're only going to ever do X, Y, or Z. This time around, if they're at 12 after the lottery and don't, and don't get absurd luck, if they're at 12 after the lottery, they could move up, they could move down, they could stay put. Like, there's nothing that would, that would stun me. Um, it'd be interesting. You'd be bringing in at that point, um, you know, two players instead of one. Um, trading a couple seconds, it'd, be, it'd depend when the seconds were. Like, technically speaking, if you just straight up did this, is like, I'll give you 12, you give me two picks uh, later on. That would be um, that would be four picks coming up for uh, for this year that you have to make room for with only one impending free agent. Uh, that'd be picks 21 and uh, 21 and 22. I, I, I don't, I don't foresee that happening for like that specific package, but trading back, I think would be a wise move and you can kind of kick the can down the road a little bit. There's already not a guy that you're probably going to be totally in love with in terms of like checking all of your boxes at 12, Uh, but also trading up would be interesting. I I know that Sam Presti wants to see how these 2024 first round picks go. And that's also, that's very true. But as we saw things change, like Sam Presti also said uh, last year that they were going to accept uh, Dort's player option, uh, team option, and then they declined it and re-signed to a big deal. So, like, 
we've seen how this stuff goes. Um, and that can change very fluidly. Like that's the answer, um, you know, last week, but we're three months away from the decision being made. Uh, so like I could see them moving up, I can see them moving back and I can just see them simply having a, uh, a less, less involved draft where they're just picking at 12 and, and go about their way in the first round. So anything's on the table. I do like, um, I do like uh, Chris Murray a lot. I think that I'm a tad higher on him than most people are. I'll, I'll give you my big board uh, at some point next week. So to stay tuned for that as a little horizontal tease for you every day or two, we're going to come back every single day. Um, and we thank you a lot. So subscribe across all podcasting platforms. So you never miss, never miss an episode. Um, but I, I do like a uh, repair at M in renegade renegado, uh, discuss the possibility for Shay to have a similar stat year in the next season. Uh, is he expecting that since it's, since he's hitting his peak age? Uh, yeah, I don't see a regression coming. Everything that SGA did this year was repeatable. Uh, you're going to add in chat and you're going to add in guys, you know, Jacob's going to need more shots and, and hopefully Giddy's is guy that gets more shots as well. You know, comfortable shooting the ball more in year three, but everything that he did was repeatable. And if anything, it just, it allows him to, to be more comfortable in the offensive end because we'll have better spacing with just adding Chet, much less if you add anyone else crazy in the draft that can shoot, like adding Chet is just immediately more spacing. And so like, that'll be great too. So like, yeah, I think that SGA will be repeatable in what he did this season. Uh, at Funky Sooner, as the roster fills out and Thunder are more competitive, does that increase the likelihood of using draft and stash philosophy? And is James uh, Naji a potential for that? I, I don't think that James Naji is a potential draft and stash guy. Like we'll learn more about him later on in the process, but but uh, I think that he can play pretty well right away at the at the NBA global at the NBA scale, like either spot minutes in the NBA or G League minutes. You know, rehabbing to get ready to play. In the, I mean, not rehabbing, but like preparing to play in the NBA. So I think that it'll come over like right now. I could be wrong about that, but that's what I think he's going to do. So I, I don't think that he specifically is a draft and stash guy. And also like for this specific season, you know, this specific draft, uh, I, I don't think that that's like an, a, a feasible route for the Thunder, given that you aren't going to be out of this, this quote unquote mess anytime soon. It's obviously not a mess at all. Uh, and as Sam Presti wisely said, it was, it's like having too much money at a store. That's never going to be a problem, but like, the, the roster crunch stuff, that's never going to fall off. Like, that's going to keep going every offseason from now on. That's why this roster will turn over and get more and more and more and more and more and competitive because you're always going to have an ability to improve it because of all the draft picks that you have. So uh, to, to do a draft and stash right the second would just kind of be um, not great in the first round. Now, now with pick 34 or 36, would you, would you go get... Uh, somebody like that, sure, like, like a draft and stash guy, but like in terms of the first round, uh, I don't think so. Uh, at Alex, and especially by the way, if if post lottery the same thing happens as a coin flip, where uh, the Thunder will improve their second round pick to where they have two picks in the thirties, and that takes you out of signing a guy to a two way deal, uh, at that point, uh, draft and stash becomes really likely for that second second round pick because you're you're high enough to go get somebody who you still believe in that that is a draft and stash candidate while also not low enough to get somebody that you can put on a two-way deal. And so in, in order to avoid uh, creating another roster spot this year, you can do that in that scope. So if that's what you mean of like second-round guys, then sure. Uh, but but uh, I don't think that they'll do that with their first-round pick. Uh, and, and I think that James Najee will be uh, a, a good enough player to come over right now uh, for, for him specifically of what you're, of what you're asking. Uh, Alex underscore Boljack. Time, uh, who, are, who are three candidates to... Uh, be off the team by the trade deadline next season? And what specific metrics uh, would they need to change in order to, to stay on the roster? 
Yeah, the I mean, the three candidates that you look at right now, uh, let, let's let's discard Sarge because we don't even know if he'll be on the roster come media day uh, in the sense of like he's not under contract. The guy's under contract currently that could be gone by uh, trade line. So from this point moving forward, any, any old time now moving forward, uh, those guys uh, I, I think are Lindy Waters, Trey Mann, Jeremiah Robinson. I think that those are the guys where like they, they could just be gone at the come trade deadline with a, with a, with a teeny bit pinched in there of Poku. But I think the Poku showed in the limited action that he got to play this year that he's worth taking another look at next year. The only, the only reason that I put Poku in there is because typically speaking, Sam Presti does not let guys hit restricted free agency. And I'm not sure that they're going to work out an extension this off season. So where, so at the deadline at that point, you make a, you make a decision uh, typically for Sam Presti. However, this is a special case with Poku because of the, of the lack of data points. I know that at 22 years old, it feels like we've been watching him forever, but if you really think about it, the first year that we watched him was in empty gyms where he was drafted in November, played in December, and on draft night, some of the best international scouts in the world were saying he's two years away from being two years away. There was legitimate questions from legitimately plugged in people of if he would even come over to the NBA that season. And the Thunder said, no, bring him over right now. We want him right now. And the Thunder just kind of let it ride in that first season. So that that's not even truly data points necessarily, like in terms of like decision-making for the long term. Second year, a shortened off season. Uh, and, and we all know what comes with that. And then, and then the next couple of years past that. So like what I'm saying is, even though it feels like he's been here forever and he has logged technically a lot of minutes, like in the raw, just total minutes because he played so much his first couple of years. This was the year where you were expecting to see an improvement. And if you go back to training camp, Mark said, like, whenever you guys see him, you're going to think that an alien dropped this guy down and he's completely different from when you last saw him. And that was true until he got hurt. You know, so, so he, we did see the improvement that you wanted to see. He was pacing properly until the injury. So I think that they're going to give him another shot uh, to do so this season. And then and then the special case would be, even though he's up against restricted free agency, you just let it ride and, and, and make your decision after you've accumulated more information whenever he's a legitimate, you know, comfortable player. So so it'll be interesting to see kind of what Poku does. So I'm not, I'm not going to put him in the, in the top three. I'll put, you know, Waters, Trey Mann, and Jeremiah Robinson Earl as like the big three who, who are really in danger of roster spots for the immediate future. Next question going to come from MK three, two, five, four, nine, one. Who's the best draft prospects for OKC with a 12th pick in your opinion? This is a lot harder than like what it has been in years past. Cause like in years past, you're guessing like, okay, what five guys will fall? What, 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 you know, four, what, what two guys will fall down, you know? So like you're, you're kind of a lot closer to the target range of now we're trying to see who will fall past the 11 you know, the first 11 picks, uh, which is harder to gauge than like one, you know, for, for the Chet Holmgren draft and, and five for, for the Josh Giddy draft. But uh, at 12, if Grady Dick falls, I love Grady Dick. If, um, if Drace Walker is in the range where you can move up for him, I love that too. Taylor Hendricks, I, I love him as well. Uh, so there, there are some interesting names in this draft. And the, the bottom line is, someone has to fall. Like if I just said one of those names, you said, oh, there's no way. There's no way they're there. No way that, that Drees Walker falls. No way that Grady Dick falls. No way that Taylor Hendricks falls. 
Well, somebody has to. So then, you know, that, that puts, that pushes somebody down to 12 that you really like. Um, I, I, I think that this is the draft class where it's just, it's just fascinating. Like, like Jordan Hawkins, I, I really like him as a, as a prospect. I would be, you know, stunned if you told me that the Thunder loved him. But I like him. I think he's a good prospect. So, like, that's the thing. Like, all these guys, uh, Kaysan Wallace, like, Jet Howard, like, these guys that, like, people really like in that range and, and can fluctuate between, you know, 12 and 15 and, and you know, 10 to 12 or whatever. Like, like none of these guys scream Thunder besides Ryan Repair. And so, if he's not there or if, or if we're wrong on, the, on assuming that the Thunder like him... They're going to draft someone that we don't think right now that they like. <laughs> but So it's going to be interesting to see what happens. But for me personally, it would be a dream come true if Grady Dick or Walker or Hendricks fell. Uh, we're also going to ask the next question from at the underscore Ansar. What's your dad's overall rating for the season and his top three players or wins of the season? So for those of you that don't know on Twitter, uh, my dad started watching the Thunder and he would like, call me and tell me these random things about, uh, about basketball that people found very entertaining, uh, from, from him not liking that nowadays that you, you, your home team's not always wearing white, uh, all the way up to, uh, his fascination with J-Dub, which is, which is a, a common practice among Thunder fans. Uh, so I, I, this season he was, it was a lot of fun for him. He got back into it, uh, after not really watching for the last really like five or six years, he hasn't really paid attention to the NBA. Uh, so he got back into it. He liked it. He thought the team was very fun and competitive. He likes the way that they play. Um, he loves Mark, loves them to death, which so do I. So, you know, credit to, credit to my dad there for, for being smart for once. Um, best dreams of the season. Uh, I, I didn't, I forgot to ask him this. I'll be honest with you, but I, I'll tell you this. The wins he called me after, I would assume were his favorite wins. Uh, so that was the Pelicans play in game. Thought it was incredible. Um, that was the, the Boston game where they showed a lot of quote unquote moxie, uh, according to him. And, uh, and then after that, he called me, uh, he called me after that John Morant game because he didn't understand what happened. So I wouldn't say that's like his favorite win, but like he did call me after that game. Uh, so we'll, we'll go with those ones, uh, for, for the time being, uh, for, for himself. And then, and then another question from at house of wigs, who I believe got a shout out from Aaron Wiggins. Uh, today. So congratulations, House of Wigs. Best draft prospect fit-wise. Uh, they're going to say Ryan Repair. I, I think that people are a little bit underestimating Grady Dick. And, and I think that he like truly does fit with the Thunder wanted to do. And he, he did not grade out as a bad defender in the, in college. In fact, he graded out as a pretty good defender according to Synergy in college. And he has the framework to be a good defender. He has the motor to be a good defender. And you have a, def- a defensive staff that can really help him uh, improve defensively and a team around him where he's not going to be on the first, second, third, or fourth option on the floor. So uh, I really enjoy what Grady that can, can provide this team. Will he fall to 12? Uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, we'll have more questions all coming up, including uh, about the big picture. Should OKC make an all in move? But first I want to tell you right now about our good friends over at the ultimate 
Pro Basketball GM, folks. The Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. Uh, go to the website right now, probasketballgm.com, or the App Store to get the Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. You get 100% free boost to start your franchise using the code Locked On uh, in the game store, and you're going to need it because it's very difficult. You're building a franchise from literally the ground up, and you're trying to win a championship. I'm going to give a huge shout-out to Locked On Bulls host, Pat the Designer, and Locked On Mavs host, Nick Engstead, who's also my boss, so got to give him in there, got to get him in there too, Pat. Uh, they both won four championships and won our, won our uh, internal competition. We all played the game. We all love the game. We all got addicted to the game. We're all still playing the game. But like for the for the time limit we put on it, they won four championships. They are the winners of the competition. They're going to get a little prize pack. Uh, so I couldn't win a ch- the title. So maybe you can win a championship and prove to me that you're a better GM than I am. I couldn't win a championship. I got close. No cigar. Uh, my core made it there one time. Failed in dramatic fashion in Game 7. Uh, I'm still hurt by it. Made it to a couple Western Conference Finals, and, and that was kind of all there, there was to it. So um, see if you can do better at Ultimate Pro, Pro Basketball uh, GM. That's probasketballgm.com or the App Store, Ultimate Pro Basketball GM. You can even scan the little code right there on YouTube to, uh, to download the app. We're back on the Lockdown Thunder Podcast. On the Lockdown Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you so much. For joining us on today's Locked on Thunder podcast. Folks, it's awesome to have you here. This week starts our annual player profile and projections for NBA draft prospects. Very fun to run through their strengths, their weaknesses, how they fit with OKC to answer all these fit questions. We're going to go prospect by prospect, answering all these questions about the fits with the Thunder. So it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, for those of us who enjoy the draft. So I hope that you're going to stay tuned and subscribe. We'll also talk with uh, Mavs Draft on Twitter, Richard Stamen and MavsDraft.com and Locked NBA Big Board um, later on this week about the NBA draft as well. A lot of good stuff coming up. A lot of good stuff coming up, including your questions. Uh, so at Brother Reed 11 what happens first? Does Mark win Coach of the Year or the Thunder make the Western Conference Finals? Both at the same time. So like the reason I say that is, Typically, I think that the way these awards go is, you know, you get that one surge and you kind of already had your punch, right? So Mark had the punch this year. He just so happened to run up against the best story in the NBA of the Sacramento Kings, or else I think he would have won the award uh, had, had Mike Brown not done what Mike Brown did. So like the novelty will have worn off already by next round. It's going to be another surprise team. There's going to be another surprise coach. There's going to be another, you know, you know, great, great story uh, to where I don't think he'll win it next year, you know, or anything like that. Uh, but the next time that this team wins like 50 plus games and, and they're, and they're truly a title contender and they, and they are, are going to go for a championship type of run uh, and they pull that off in the regular season. Then I think that that's whenever he's going to get his flowers for like winning the actual award. Uh, and so I'll, I'll say both, but uh, uh, I would say it'd be more, most likely that the Thunder make it to the Western Conference finals first because it's a regular season award. And so like, when, when are they going to officially give you the, the, the award um, uh, kind of messes with that timeline. So uh, I'll say, technically speaking, the Thunder will get there before he gets the honor because it'll be tough to gauge by the regular season. Uh, at 123OKC321, great at name. Possibility of trading up for Grady Dick and or if they prefer a wing or big man. So just possibility of trading up. Again, I know what Sam said, and I was there in the room, but um, I, I think that there there's a strong possibility that you evaluate it because of just how 
because of how topsy-turvy that this draft is. I think that the draft, outside of, of, of the guy, like outside of Victor, I think that the draft is, is razor thin. I have Victor and Scoot as a clear one too, but we've already seen reports from like literally Woj that teams have Brandon Miller too. So like two through 12, you're going to see guys flip-flop spots on all 30 boards. Like there's not going to be two boards the same, I don't think, in, in these 30 war rooms uh, of who, who should be where. And, and there's going to be some decisions. Like I, I would bet you that there's going to be a board that has Thompson, like one of the Thompson twins, like eight or nine. And there's going to be boards that have them four and five within the NBA. And so, and so with that kind of uncertainty means that one of the guys that Sam Presti might have incredibly high, highly graded, like he might have a surprise guy at four that like, we don't think is four, but like he does. And, and if that guy's there at eight or seven, you have an embarrassment of riches, you know, or nine, wherever you have an embarrassment of riches to go move up, you know, with. So, uh, and get a load of this, like the, the important wrinkle to remember in, in trading for draft picks is you've got to be able to deliver them their guy. So the likelihood that you can deliver somebody their guy while you get your guy in this draft is, is higher than most because of how uh, razor thin the talent edges are. And because of how, how not polarizing, but like, the, the word I'm looking, you know, I'm looking to describe the fact that we might just see things differently this year than, than more. It's, ne- it's a less consensus board, even around NBA circles. So uh, trading up, I think, is still very much on the table, even though the whole paint and house uh, comment, you know, so it's going to be interesting to see for sure. Uh, at Jimmy Mintz, if the Thunder trade for OG and Anobi, can they use their cap space to give him more money in the last year of his deal in conjunction with an extension? Also, the, uh, if you do trade Dort and draft picks for OG, how many extra wins do you think that that gives OKC? Um, I'm not really understanding the question. The sense of like the cap space one, you can ask. I'll tell you a good person to ask about cap, cap space stuff is Keith Smith. His emails in his bio. He replies to every email. He's great. Uh, but like, yes, they, I think that they could trade for him and then, and then sign him to a new deal. You know, and, and make sure that they extend him. They'd have to do that uh, to, to trade for a guy an expiring contract with what it would take to get him. Uh, but I think that trading Lou Dort does a lot um, on and off the court. Lou Dort is one of the leaders of the team and a guy that they rally around and a guy that they care about and a guy that's their friend and a guy that that raises the intensity level and, and helps your defense and just a guy that the organization, top to bottom, really, really love. And um, trading him and picks, you know, an intro of picks and tying up money that you're going to need in the future uh, for for. OG, who, as you've mentioned, like it's not, it's not that OG gives you plus 20 in the win column or, or plus 10 or even plus eight in the win column, like by himself. So, um, you know, the, the, the trade-off there, you lose a lot to gain OG. And it's also a player who there's been reports of doesn't love his role in Toronto, doesn't love being the, the second, third, fourth, fifth guy. He comes to a more talent-rich team. His, his touches are not going to improve. They might go down. They might, they might go down in touches. So like, it, it's, it's not exactly a, a perfect marriage for any way you slice it. And I, and I think that not to say you're doing this Jimmy, but I think that a lot of times we view this in the scope of 2k ratings. Like, well, you know, in our, in my mind, OG's an 85 and Ludor's a 72. OG is clearly better. Just, do whatever you got to do to get a better player. There's all these other wrinkles to it, that there's not wrinkles in in, in these kind of spreadsheets and, and video games and everything else that you come up with on these fake trades. So 
I, I think that this is a trade that um, should should die in the offseason. Remember, remember, I mean, it should die in the trade deadline. Remember the trade deadline? Everyone was running wild because there's a mystery team for OG and Anobi. Who's the mystery team? The mystery team could get them. Toronto's looking at a mystery team. And nothing came of it. And everyone said the Thunder, the mystery team. I just know it. They weren't. They weren't the mystery team. I just know they're the mystery team. They weren't. And they didn't trade for him. And nobody traded for him. Like, it's just not a great fit. Now, I could be totally wrong, but like just from, from laying everything out there and saying it all out loud, it doesn't seem like a very good idea. Because you would have to trade Dort. Like, like you just you couldn't do the trade without trading Dort in terms of like salaries and you know picks and everything else that goes with it. And and would Toronto take that? Would the Thunder take that? Like I just don't think that it's going to work out. Uh, my friend at Crane NBA, when are you doing karaoke again? If you want to listen to me sing because of Nick Crane, who who bet me in Salt Lake City at All Star Weekend, uh, the Thunder uh, the uh, the Thunder would make the play, and I got to sing on on the show. You can go on Twitter at Ryland underscore Styles. I'll tell you what. If the Thunder on lottery night, and this is why you need to watch our Locked in NBA live stream lottery night. If the Thunder on lottery night jump up, and I'll even amend the tweet, because I did put my reply to this already. If they jump up to the top four, which is an even greater chance of happening than just for Victor. If the Thunder get to the top four, I will then sing a cappella. It's copyrights, obviously. Both parts to Kid Rock's picture with Cheryl Crow. So I'll sing Kid Rock's part. I'll sing Cheryl Crow's part. I'll change the voice inflection for each of them to, to be appropriate. So if rooting for the Thunder traffic to elevate was not enough, you can root for that um, as well. One question real quickly over at YouTube uh, from Francisco uh, Portales. I, I hope I said that right. I'm, I apologize, Francisco. Uh, hey, Ryan, long-time listener of the pod. Love the pod. After seeing uh, after seeing Building Block Baisley get pitchforked off the team uh, at the trade line, who is the one player on the current roster that you could see that uh, in the exact same position uh, this upcoming season? Uh, so I'm going to take this in a literal comparison to Baisley of like, the fan base doesn't like him anymore. He gets ridiculed for everything that he does, and, and it's just time for his tenure to end. I think it could be Jeremiah Robinson Earl because I don't think that the fan base is going to get mad at Trey Mann. They'll just say, well, he's still not shooting the ball well, and so he needs to shoot the ball better. And uh, Lindy Waters, the fan base, loves. And so even though I love Jeremiah Robertson as a person and as like and talking to him and everything else, and and I think that he can be a really good player, and Mavs draft during his draft class had JRE at number 12 on his big board, and he showed a lot of stuff his rookie year, and so he could have a, a year three bounce back. So could Trey Mann. So could any of these guys. I think that people will get really tired of, of Jeremiah Robinson Earl if he's not playing better next year because of the way it looks. Like with Trey Mann, his mistakes look good. Like like the step back to create space and the shot doesn't go in looks good up until the point where the shot doesn't go in. With Jeremiah Robinson Earl, the, the mistakes are a bit louder for Jeremiah Robinson Earl as the mistakes were louder for Darius Baisley. And so those loud mistakes, I think, is what gets fan bases to set their ire or turn their ire, is that the right expression, to a player more so than like what actually happened. It's just like how loud it is and how, how much you can, you can tell it pop off the screen. So that's why I would pick Jeremiah Robson. I hope it doesn't happen. I hope that all these guys become incredible players, but like Jeremiah Robson would be the next in line, but hopefully he can change the fate and have a different fate than what Darius Basley did. Uh, so we're here for you. 
five days a week, even in the off season. So subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts from. Make sure that you follow me on Twitter at Ryland underscore styles. And until tomorrow, be good and be good to one another.